Todd off the shelves. This is our third episode, and we are going to focus on the book The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. My name's Sonali, and my co-host is Kara. And before we start, let's check in. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty okay, actually. Um, I've been busy with my school, and, you know, we're getting into midterm season, so... You know how it goes. Everybody's getting stressed out about their midterms. And aside from that, I've been focusing a lot on our uh, book podcast and Instagram and all that. And I have also been following and paying attention to real estate. So that has been on my mind as well. So long story short, busy. What about you? How are you doing? Yeah, that's that's awesome that you're focusing on real estate, something I need to be thinking about more. Um, I am actually really excited about spring. I have been going hiking a lot and I'm excited to go on hikes where we see more wildflowers and there might be places where there was snow and we get to see the snow melting into waterfalls so we can see more water. And otherwise, I'm starting to... Uh, do more teaching online and so I, I've been teaching online for a year now but I'm I want to kind of branch out and do more um, independent online teaching and so I just made an Instagram page and um, actually if you happen to have kids or know any kids or you just like hearing fun stories for kids come follow my page it's called stories with Sonali on Instagram. I'm going to start a YouTube channel too and we'll just do a lot of like fun like storytelling and there will be opportunities to like sign up for classes and stuff also. Yeah, so if you're listening to us, you know what to do. Get on that Instagram and follow Stories with Sonali for uh, for her stories and you know just support her and her teaching journey. So now let's move on to the book. Yeah, this is such an amazing book. I can't believe that The Kindest Lie is Nancy Johnson's first novel. She's an amazing writer, and I can't wait to see what she writes next. Um, A little bit about her. She's from the same place as Michelle Obama, Southside Chicago. She is an award-winning Emmy TV journalist. So uh, before writing, she was on TV and uh, like I said before, this is her first book. And um, she she was inspired by Toni Morrison, who, if you don't know, Toni Morrison's also an amazing writer. She wrote The Bluest Eye. Um, and she's written stories also about like black, um, black culture. And it's been a big part of like black history. So to give you a summary of The Kindest Lie, It's about a woman, Ruth Tuttle. She's the main character. She's a black woman from working class Ganton, Indiana. She left her hometown when she was 18, I think, or 17. She graduated from Yale, got into chemical engineering, and now she has this comfortable life with her husband, Xavier. But she's been hiding a secret from him all these years. Before she left her old life behind and moved away from Ganton, she had a baby who was given up for adoption. 
Now, Xavier wants to start their own family, but she's got to find answers about her child. Who are his parents? Is he okay? What's his name? She doesn't have any of these answers because her grandma made her give up give up the baby without her um without her consent. So she returns to her hometown, Ganton, for the first time in many years, and even though her grandma tells her not to dig up old secrets, she's determined to find answers. In this process, she also rebuilds relationships and she forms this new friendship with the troubled white boy nicknamed Midnight. Yeah, and the cool thing about this story is that the story takes place in 2008, right after Barack Obama has won the election. So this story takes place in um, Thanksgiving time to the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day of you know, 2008. So that's kind of neat to see that that this book happened not too long ago well the timeline happened not too long ago both Denali and I were still in high school at the time but we remember Obama winning the election and and that's just kind of neat to see that we get to see part of that um, moment yeah it's cool to see part of our history kind of that we were part of this like historical fiction novel is what it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. But before we go on to the book of our discussion, I do want to kind of uh, go over the characters because there are quite a bit of characters in this book. So first we have Ruth, who we all know is the main character. She's a black woman who grew up lower class in Canton, Indiana. And there's the white boy Midnight uh, that Sonali has mentioned. He's 11 years old and he's from a working class in Ganton, Indiana as well. And he's um, he's white. His family is not the best. Uh, he went through a lot of like fa- family trauma and a lot of hate and bullying from other kids. There's Corey, who is Midnight's best friend. And he's a black boy, but he's a little bit more privileged, I would say. Um, his parents are loving and his parents are a little bit more well-off than other people in the town. And there's Xavier. Xavier is Ruth's husband. He grew up wealthier than Ruth and he grew up in a much more privileged area. Uh, but he also faces problems since he is, um, he is a black man. And of course, there's Mama. Mama is actually Ruth's grandmother, but we call her Mama. And and we, she added, she acted as Ruth's mother since Ruth's biological mother left, and she's basically, you know, the matriarch of the family. And of course, there are other characters such as Eli, who is Ruth's uh, older brother. There's Butch, who is uh, Minai's dad, and we get to also see Natasha, who is uh, Ruth's best friend since high school, but they kind of stopped talking since Ruth moved away, but, you know, reconnected a little bit later. And, of course, we get tiny, tiny glimpse of Ruth's biological mother, who is named Joanna. So there are a lot of themes in this book, which is something I really liked. We got to see a lot of um, complex issues and that's always really awesome to see in a book where we get to explore all of these complicated ideas. 
the first one that stood out to us was motherhood. Like, what does it mean to be a mom? Is Ruth a good mom? Things like that. Uh, the second thing that we get to see in this book is the race versus class. Um, you know, that's class Trump race, which has which one has better privilege than the, the other, um, which one faces more struggle. So there's, there's the struggles between the two classification. We also saw um, family, like biological family versus chosen family and how family like repairs itself after conflicts happen. Mm-hmm. Speaking of family comes sacrifice. Um, you know, the things that we do for each other, uh, the things that we we have to give up so that the ones that we love will be successful. Um, sacrifice runs in the family. So that's another thing that we get to see. And one of my favorites was uh, redemption and redemption, especially after people have dark, traumatizing sins or secrets that they kept from everyone. Yeah, yeah, that that one we got to see throughout the book. Yes. Um, what stuck out, well, one thing that stuck out to us was, you know, family expectation. Uh, how this ties in a little bit with motherhood and sacrifice and family. Um, how Ruth's grandmother and, and brother Eli tell Ruth not to mess with the past because they have given so much they've given up so much to help her succeed in life and you know that puts a lot of pressure on Ruth because you know she's not only working for herself working her, uh, for herself to be successful she's now doing it for her her brother and her grandma and that's a lot to put on one person Yeah, they all live in this really economically depressed town. And there's this understanding that if she doesn't break out of it, then like nobody will. And um, she's had these amazing opportunities to become this successful chemical engineer just because of what the grandma did for them. And not just the grandma, but the whole family, like the grandma, Eli, and their grandpa who's died. And is it is a lot to take on that responsibility that you are the chosen one to take to tear down this cycle. And the grandma and Eli have done so much sacrifice, and regardless of you know whether uh, Ruth asked for them or not, it's a different question. But they have done so much for Ruth to be successful, and then Ruth knows that, and that is a lot to take in. And and as mama is the matriarch of the family you know she takes on this motherhood role and she did what she thinks is the best for Ruth and and she did everything she could even though that could mean that it's unfavorable or even or a little shady she still did it so that Ruth can be successful and I think that's something that we have probably had to deal with as children of immigrants maybe like I know maybe not in my family necessarily but um, I do know a lot of like immigrant parents tell their kids we've given up so much for you like you better make it worth it or something oh yeah um 
is I'm glad you brought that up because it actually resonated me a lot because I'm an immigrant and you know I always appreciate what my parents do for me and they came all the way from Asia to here and and they went through many struggles for me to be successful but but at the same time what happens in these cases is that parents will use that as an excuse to make the kid go for what they want not necessarily what the kids want and and when the kids choose not to do that they tend to guilt or they tend to to pressure the kids into saying things like yeah I did all this for you and this is how you repay me which is you know shown throughout all the culture and definitely um I and definitely one of the things that I have heard all throughout my life especially in high school and early college years and and that is let me tell you that is a lot to put on one person because you know, as a kid, it's not like we had a choice. We, it's not like we have a voice to tell them, no, you don't have to do all that. And then I understand that, that my parents did, did the things that they did because they love me and they want the best for me, just like mama had done for Ruth. But at the same time, I think it's not fair that because of your action, you're, you're making me repay you. Your, um, your, because of your action, I have to do what you say, and and you know, let me follow my own dream so that I can be successful in my own way, not necessarily what you think. Anyway, but um, I think that that part of the book was very interesting to read, and it, it hits home. Because it's not just in black community. It's definitely, um, it, it can be seen in, in all immigrant families. Yeah, and it's also assuming that the parent who says those things, you know, who tells you, we've sacrificed so much for you. Like, you better get good grades in school. You better get that, like, engineering degree or you better become a doctor or whatever. It's assuming that they actually, um, they're actually n- knowing what they're talking about. And usually they have the best intentions, but for a lot of us, even though they think becoming a doctor or an engineer is the best course for us, they don't always know the best path. And sometimes like becoming an artist or something might be better for us. And it's kind of, it's kind of going back to what happened with Ruth. Um, Her grandma believed that she was doing the best thing for Ruth and not even giving her a choice whether to give this baby away. But um, we don't know. Like maybe if Ruth had kept the baby, it would have led to a not better, but maybe more fulfilling life for her. She wouldn't, she might not have made it to Yale but maybe she would have really enjoyed the life that she had with her kid. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think the best thing in this scenario, now we, I do have to caution you readers that and listeners that, you know, neither Sonali or I are parents, so we would never understand what it's like to be a mom or a dad. Um, but 
we both have been kids and everybody have been kids and from my own personal experience I would have loved my parents to have an open communication I would have loved my parents to to explain what they did or why they did it and then what why they think that this option was the best for them and I would have loved that because that gives me an opportunity to understand them um, and you know and I can that also allows them to treat me as more of an adult than just a little kid who doesn't understand and that's I think something that a lot of adults do and I'm sure we will be guilty of it one day is where we don't really give the kids credit uh, when it's due the kids do listen to us kids do observe a lot more than we do and they can hear a lot of things and and we just kind of dismiss them as you know they won't understand but in reality they do understand if we just take time to explain and we just take time to tell them so in Ruth's situation if her grandma had told her the options Ruth could have made a a very you know educated decision um she could have she may have um made the same decision to give her child away or she may keep the child we don't know but at least she knows that she had options and and that is important for anybody to have options we do find out um as the book goes on that mama not only gave up the made her give up the child without um, any consent from Ruth but she also did some other things that Ruth is really shocked by so there's even more that mama has sacrificed in hopes that Ruth would have this opportunity to go to Yale and become successful yeah yeah that being said you know are we mad at mama we can't really be mad at mama right I mean as much as there are things that she did she did do things that she thought was best. But on the other hand, it's really unnerving to see someone making all the decisions for you and you not knowing anything, you not having any power on all the decisions that can affect your life. Yeah. Um, and another thing that that stood out to us is Actually, that you were talking about this, Anali, uh, interracial relationship. Yeah, we get to see a lot of, um, a lot of the interaction between different races and classes in this book because we have Ruth, who grew up working class and black, and we have um, other characters who are white and working class. So. And we actually get to see, like, friendships between them. Ruth and the 11-year-old boy, Midnight, they form this beautiful friendship. And there are some tensions, but um, but we get to see that they do have things in common and they work through some of these, like, conflicts. Then we also have um, her and her husband. Ruth grew up working class and her husband is black but grew up wealthier and um and there are some things that happen where she's not sure if he can ever understand what she went through like in Ganton Indiana um and he has to kind of prove to her throughout the book that 
even though he might not understand, even though he might not have experienced poverty like she did, um, he, he can still, like, try his best to learn about it. Um, and then there's just, like, so many other, other things that happen. So Midnight, the 11-year-old boy, his best friend is, uh, another black boy named Corey. And Corey grows up in this also kind of wealthier family in a different neighborhood. And there are things that happen where you you get to see how Midnight doesn't really understand where he doesn't really understand what it means to be black and he at one point he calls the police on Corey and um, he doesn't realize that police can be really dangerous especially when you're a person of color and um, and Ruth has to have this like difficult conversation with him where she says what you did was really dangerous like you shouldn't have called the police and I, I feel like that's like a really important moment because they have that moment of conflict but right after she has that conversation with him where she explains that this was something that is going to be really hard for anyone to forgive like you can't just say sorry and move on like you can't just call the police on your best friend and then pretend like it was just a joke but they they have that conversation and then they go back to their friendship where they're having their inside jokes she um she goes back to this conversation they had a while before about where um midnight asks her how long can a cockroach survive with its head cut off and she back then she she didn't answer this question but now that they have this difficult conversation she's able to move on and ask him that question again how long can a cockroach survive without its head and it's just a way to show that even though they had that moment like they can still be friends I feel like that's kind of like symbolic of our country kind of that like white people and people of color might have like moments of tension and there might be times where white people do things that hurt us but if we want to we can still like stand up for ourselves but also be friends mm-hmm. yeah I also want to add on that you know it's definitely easier to repair with with kids uh, with the newer generation and then as we can see as the generation uh, goes on people are a lot more understanding and people are a lot more accepting which is great I mean we still have a lot more to work on but I think the key is the next generation and we may be doing better than our parents generation but I bet you the next generation after us is probably doing better than us when it comes to accepting yeah so Ruth and a few other people also explained to Midnight that what he did was really wrong and he because he's only 11 and because he's actually really sweet and caring he is willing to listen he's He's not at the point where he he just ignores what people are saying. He really wants people to um, forgive him 
at some point. So I think you're right when you say like it, it's up to the next generation. We have to teach our kids to be like kind and caring. And I think we also have to understand that um, people like Midnight kind of are acting out of their they might be dealing with like troubled past like he grew up in this really troubled family and his family kind of used race as like a scapegoat like his dad um his dad is this guy who had trouble holding down a job for a long time he um i think he does a lot of drugs and he kind of uses people of color like black people as scapegoats because he wants someone to blame for the problems that he's having kind of and I feel like it's not an excuse for him to do what he does but I feel like it helps if we can understand his point of view so that we can move on and try to repair these relationships Mm -hmm, definitely yeah um midnight grew up in in this house you know where where his his dad kept saying black people have it better than us or like don't be hanging out with like that boy i don't like it uh and it's amazing to me how midnight is not as racist as his dad because you know he midnight does look up to his dad and uh, he really cares about what his dad says but I love it when um, he's not as racist as his dad. I mean, that it can't be helped that that Midnight will have some of these dark thoughts about persons of color because that's kind of what he grew up with. And But I think it was really refreshing to see that even someone who has a dad who is very racist, he is a lot better than, than his parent when it comes to seeing persons of color. But you know what, so now you're right that it doesn't excuse what he did. And we as reader could, could see where he was coming from. And that's a privilege to see. But from Ruth's perspective or, or Corey's perspective, they never get to see how Midnight's life was like. So to you know, if you don't get to see how Midnight has to deal with uh, his dad or his family... I don't think you will be as forgiven as we are right now. I think the only reason we are kind of more forgiven is because we get to see what Midnight is going through. Yeah, it kind of helps us empathize with him. Because um, the other interesting thing about this story is it's written, each chapter is almost written from a different character's perspective. It alternates between Ruth's perspective and then Midnight's perspective. So we get to see Ruth, who's the main character for most of the story, but some chapters are told from his point of view, where we get to see his interactions with his grandma and the way that he views Ruth. Yeah, and a little bit of segue into this. Ruth being a mother, it boils down to this question. Is a woman's primary role to be a mother? Yeah, so her husband, Xavier, seems to think that that is a woman's primary role, at least in the beginning, because um, in the beginning of the book, they go to a doctor's appointment and she's 
just getting checked out and making sure that everything's okay for them to start trying to have kids and um and it sounds like they've never actually like had the conversation about whether she actually wants to have kids or not it's just like an understanding that if you're married you will have kids and he starts arguing with her at some point because he starts to sense that she is like reluctant to have babies and he says I shouldn't have to be a lawyer and um make this case for why you should have my kid and he he gets really angry and um and so there there was just like this kind of somewhat old-fashioned thinking that women are supposed to be mothers yeah um I'm not really surprised by his words. But on the other hand, I will actually give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Because, you know, they've been married at this point for four years. And he had mentioned it over and over uh, about how he wants kids. So he hasn't, it's not like all of a sudden he's like, oh, we need to have kids. Ruth had all these years to tell him that she doesn't want kids um she has had a kid but rue had always shut down and and i understand that rue was shutting down because that's her defense mechanism for all the trauma that she went through with her uh firstborn and all the things that her mama has said and her brother had said and you know she's struggling with all those trauma so i understand that but i think also from from Xavier's point of view, because he doesn't know any of that, it was hard for him um, to to understand. Because all he sees was was you know him trying to talk about having a baby with Ruth for about four years now, and Ruth have always shy away from that. And I think after trying so much, you are bound to kind of snap. But now am I excusing his behavior? Not necessarily, but kind of like how we understood Midnight's, you know, point of view. We are, I'm saying I understand um, Xavier's point of view a little bit. But does a woman actually need an excuse or does she need a reason to not want kids? Like, couldn't Ruth have just said that I don't want kids? She actually just never said that, but... I feel like if I were married to someone and like every time I brought up having kids and they didn't seem that excited, um, I would ask them maybe like, do you actually want kids or not? And he just, he keeps pushing and pushing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a flaw that Xavier has, definitely. But I think open communication matters and and that's also a flaw of Ruth. If she doesn't want kids, she could have just said I don't want kids simple as that uh, she couldn't even say that and then you know this lack of open communication stems down really deep actually because Ruth's grandma mama took the baby away and and she was always like don't look at the past just keep on moving you know they shut down all this communication open communication with Ruth and they didn't even give Ruth a choice. They um, 
didn't even tell her what the baby's name is or how the baby is going to be adopted. Everything was closed off. So, and I'm sure mama had the same experience with her own childhood. Well, we would never know, but that trickles down to root shutting down and it shows. So, to answer your question, do we need a reason to not have a child? No, we do not. We, But I think right now, that's not really the main question. It's more so um, Rue not be, even being able to say, I don't want kids. Because she's so, um, she's so traumatized from her past. Yeah, I think there's also this um, assumption that she has that Xavier won't, Xavier probably wouldn't, um, be okay with what she had done when she was a teenager and when she tells him he doesn't totally understand but um but eventually he as the book continues he he really tries to understand her past even though he's never like experienced poverty or anything he tries to understand where she came from Mm-hmm. yeah um do you think ruth is so sticking with the theme of motherhood, um, do you think Ruth is a bad mother when she gave her her, her child? Not that she had a had a um, choice in matter, but like, what did you? What is your opinion? I think she. Um, I think if you're a parent, you have to do what's best for your child, and I think most parents who give up their children for adoption that really is what's in their mind like they're trying to find the best like chance of well-being for their kid and whether that's with them as parents or with another family that's that's still being a parent and so I think she was as good of a mom as she could be with the resources she had okay yeah I can accept that yeah I, you know, for me, I don't know what to answer to that. I mean, I don't think Ruth is a bad mother, mainly because she didn't even get a chance to be a mom. Um, it wasn't her decision to give up her child. Her mama just took it away. So, I don't know. There is, there are many times in the book where she compares herself to other women she considers bad mothers. Like her own mom, Joanna, was addicted to drugs and um, supposedly left them when she was a kid. And so she's grown up thinking, my mom never wanted us. My mom left us. And then she gives up her own child involuntarily, but she still gives up her own child. And she keeps thinking, I'm not much better than my mom. Um, even though my mom was never a parent, I gave up my child, so I wasn't really a parent either. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that that was an interesting part when she said that to her mama. She's like, "Well, at least Corey had some good parents, and like her mom who just left, and mama." basically revealed that actually Joanna wanted to keep the babies, keep, you know, Ruth and Eli, but Mama and Papa um, 
actually convinced Joanna to leave the baby because that was what's best for Ruth and Eli. So that was a little shocking to me. Yeah, and that's kind of the same concept. Like sometimes walking away and letting someone else take care of your child is the best thing that you can do for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the other lines that stuck out to me is at the end of the book. Um, this isn't a spoiler, but it is like at the end of the book. It says, perfect mothers didn't exist, only perfectly flawed ones did. Mm-hmm. What I would have loved to see was Mama having this open communication with Ruth. You know, I understand that parents have to give up their child for the benefit of the child, and and that's brave of them to give up. And but I think Mama should have told. Uh, Ruth and Eli that hey your mama did want you it's just that she wasn't capable of raising you guys so that's why we have to step in versus you know just going along with the notion of mama uh, of Joanna not wanting the babies that she just turned into drugs which was not true at all so I think if mama had done that open communication with Ruth Ruth would have understood a lot better and have a lot less trauma with her own her own child and which could trickle down and make her marriage with Xavier a little better yeah you know overall this was definitely a heavy book for me but so let's move on to um, a slightly less heavy topic uh, favorite and least favorite characters go Oh, um, okay, so my favorite character was Natasha. Um, she is Ruth's childhood best friend, and they had kind of drifted apart after Ruth had her baby, and uh, Natasha was really hurt by that because she felt like Ruth kind of ghosted her. Um, they were, like, so close, and then Ruth just disappeared, and Natasha had no idea that Ruth was even pregnant, and that Ruth moved away, and um, and instead of holding all of this against Ruth, when Ruth finally tells her, like, the reason I had to ghost you is because my grandma kept me locked up because I was pregnant, and then she made me give up this baby, Natasha gives her all this support, and they kind of just become friends again as if nothing ever happened. And that was just, it was a great example of how we can forgive people and put the past behind us and um, and still be friends to people who are friends. Uh, your least favorite character? Um, I had a hard time liking Xavier. I, um, I, feel, I feel like he, he did try to understand where Ruth came from but at the beginning of the book it just it seems like he he just would never understand how matter how hard he thought he was trying um but then the book I kept reading and I saw that he had tried to have her have the wedding in her hometown in Ganton Indiana and um she didn't let him so it wasn't like he wasn't trying it was her like trying to keep her past hidden from him so he's like barely met her family he's never visited her hometown 
Um, and her grandma has never like visited their home in Chicago. So it's kind of like she's the one who's kept their lives separate. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be a process of like rebuilding trust and everything. Yeah. Uh, for me, my favorite character is Eli. Um, I just think that he's a great brother and he has roots back. And even though he listened to mama and you know, didn't tell roots about her kid, he still pro- protected Corey. Um, especially there was one time where Corey was getting bullied and uh, midnight was defending Corey and then Midnight was getting hurt as well. Actually, he got burned and um, Eli stepped in and I like, shot a, uh, the gun in the air to scare the bullies away. And, you know, he, my point was that Eli was there to protect his family and he was doing, doing right by his family. And I, I love, uh, I, I think he's a great brother and he's a great family man. Did you know Eli was also Nancy Johnson's favorite character to write? No, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was reading an interview that she did. And um, the interviewer asked her, who's your favorite character to write? And she said Eli, which is really surprising to me because he's kind of a side character. Yeah. And she says he was really loyal and um, and that was just really sweet. Yeah, but you know, both of our favorite characters also like side characters so far, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. Actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, uh, my least favorite character. Oh, this is kind of hard to choose because everybody has so many flaws. Um, but it, you know, I would almost say Mama. Um, because I have, I, and this is very personal. It's not like she's, uh, badly written or anything. It's just that, that I see, I have seen her actions happening in my family and in other people's family. And I have seen the effects of the things that she has said, like, we have done so many sacrifices for you. Don't throw it all away. I have seen, you know, the effects of those words. And most of the time, they're not really good effects. They they put a lot of pressure on kids. And, and it's one of those, if she just communicated a little differently, then, you know, that would have taught the kids to be, to act a little differently. It would have... Uh, it would have created a more positive, positive uh, environment for for the kids and for the next generation to come. So, I think Mama also took on too much mm-hmm. sometimes. Like she didn't have to take on so much of that burden. Um, and if she just if she actually let Ruth take some of that accountability, it would have. It might possibly have. Um, inspired Ruth to like become more responsible in Ruth's case she was always pretty responsible except for that one time that she became pregnant but in other people's cases like sometimes parents just enable us to continue irresponsible behaviors yeah so it 
you know, it, it's really hard for me to choose a least favorite character because everybody is very, very well written and everybody has flaws that, that I just don't really know how to choose it. But, you know, if I have to be nitpicky, like mm-hmm. Mama is the one that, that I like least. Yeah. I think that was another cool thing about this book. We got to see that um, everyone does have flaws, but that's just human. And that doesn't mean we can't be in relationships with people who are flawed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you like the ending? What did you think of the ending? I I did really like the ending. Um, it It was one of those things where everything wasn't like perfectly tied up and there were a lot of questions that were unanswered um and there were a lot of things that were a lot of actions that people took that were unforgivable so there were things that um couldn't be repaired but um that's how life is sometimes and um I I really liked seeing how all of that took place yeah I you know, this is not a book where you are presenting one problem and you solve it and then you get a happy ending. Is is a book about life and then this is one of those books that can get as real as it can be. And and the ending had has great moments, but you also get to see the flaw still even in the ending. Like for example, Mama still has prejudice against Natasha and her husband just because they are Puerto Rican and even though mama is a minority she doesn't you know understand the struggles that Natasha and her husband goes through she's still like oh those people are not good good people and as much as we understand mama it's it was one of those moments like wow people don't change people still have their bias and the people are gonna live on with their bias and that's just how life is I mean we understand one scenario that doesn't mean that we're gonna be all better than with the whole community the next day it's a work in progress so do to answer do I like the ending um yeah uh it's as real as it can be um I I think we also we do um find out who Ruth's son actually is and um I was actually really surprised by who he was. I wasn't expecting I don't want to give away spoilers, but like I wasn't expecting him to be this boy. Um but I feel like the way that she found out who it was was a little um like too coincidental or like too um predictable well sometimes that's how life is i mean sometimes you know you just get this motherly instinct and not that we're mothers so we wouldn't know but yes i was was wondering like how did how did ruth she because she was spending all this time looking for like news articles and she was doing all this research on who her son could possibly be and then all of a sudden she has this like intuition and she's like, oh, my God, is it this kid? And it just happens to be that kid. But you're right. Yeah. Sometimes, like, I guess moms just have this intuition, probably. And we're not moms, so we don't know. But Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm not surprised by that kid being the son, mainly because he started popping up in the story. And and I'm like, well, this kid is has a lot of screen time and he can't be just a random kid. So, yeah, uh, ratings. Well, what would we rate this book? I definitely have to give it a five out of five. I really enjoyed reading it um like we said it was great to see like an obama era book and how having the first black president affected um race relations and everything and it was just like so complex there were so many complicated issues um and i feel like it was um it was really important for non-black people to be able to understand what it's like to be black and also how people of different relation people of different races can still be in relationships mm-hmm. yeah this book was hard for me to give a rating just because i feel like it hits home a lot more than it should um i'm not black so i obviously would never understand what it's like to be black in america but some of the themes that have been that we have discussed in you know throughout this podcast had hit home because it has happened to me and then uh, I get to see that in other immigrant families so uh, I mean because this book is is really close to how real life is I have no reason to other than give a five out of five but it was a very heavy read for me yeah, there's a lot of trauma, um, not just with the characters in the book, but like throughout the generations, and um, and it's like a whole like town of economic depression. So it's a heavy read, but it was very real because I've lived in places like Genton, Indiana before. So I think it's something that everyone should read. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, that concludes our podcast. And if you have listened to this far, thank you so much for listening to us. We are available on all the platforms. And we also have a short review discussion of this book on our YouTube. And, you know, just click subscribe and give a shout out to us. Thank you.